Rail Riders, what is up? Season 2 of On the Rails, we are back. We did it. Thank you so much for your patience. And now, two quick things before we actually get started. I know, I know. Thing number one, please, if you can, rate, review, and subscribe to this program wherever you get your podcasts, whether that's Apple or Stitcher or Google Play or Google Stitcher. I don't know. Everything's merging now. It really helps us get found by more listeners like yourself, and we are huge fans of finding new listeners want to expand this world thing number two we drank a lot of awesome stuff on this program but i personally drank pillar 136 by sd strong distilling this week it's a gin that they generously donated and i just wanted to tell you a little bit about them see it's not just that the gin won the bronze medal at san francisco world spirits competition or the gold at top cup spirits competition in 2015 or 2016 nah fam it's that this shit is made in a cave i'm dead serious literally they make all their liquor in a cave outside of kansas city it's one of the coolest spaces i have ever been in and their stuff is completely off the chain the gin tastes of ginger and and licorice root and angelica root and i didn't even know that was a thing so if you get a chance if you're in the kansas city area head down book a tour with them go buy their amazing gin and whiskey and vodka because you deserve some good spirits in your life and now on with the show y'all Nightly movie Aftermath. No, oh, I don't know I'm this one. About Why are we fucking a Nazi? I, I realize Oh, because that it's one. Alexander Sarsgaard. No, no, look, if you're a woman who looks like Kira Knightley, you can have sex with men who look like Alexander Sarsgaard. You are Nazis. I know, but I'm still excited. Living... I'm excited for the bodice-ripping Nazi romance that gets <laughs> no, released in February no. with that cast, so you know it can't be very good. I think in 2019, what America wanted was not, like, Kira Knightley just fucks a Nazi. Uh, can, can you imagine the pitch? Someone was like, did you like the reader? They were like, yes, we did. They're like... Okay, invert it and make them the same age. Yeah, I bet fascism. I bet yeah. you anything we're gonna find out that Alexander Sarsgaard was like secretly working against not, the Nazis. He's not. He's not. Have you he's seen not. it? Um, okay. Do you know the source no, material? I I do know the source material a little bit, but um. So there's no like. like oh, he's okay, actually. Okay, fine. A good I guy. only read a little bit of the book because there was one <laughs> character who was clearly a villain, who uh, everybody else was like, "Well, we should be nicer to these Germans. Don't let's be beastly to the Germans." And there was one professor who was like. No, and they killed so many Jews. <laughs> By the way, is there anything you want specifically mentioned? Oh, I've got a book coming intro? out in September. It's, it's called so We Came First. It's a collection of romantic advice given from historical women. And we came first. Yeah. The story you told at George Lucas podcast was <gasps> all about Oscar through the roof. It's oh so boy. good. Yeah. He really he really had some feelings. Oh he did God. not know how to process them. Um, he is... was in love with Alma Mahler, oh. uh, who was, uh, you know, a notorious kind of femme yeah. fatale yeah. of turn-of-the-century Vienna. And she briefly slept with him, then left him. He made 300 pictures of her, and then he went to a doll maker to so have a good. life-size <laughs> doll of her made that was anatomically correct. And he no. made it out of uh, polar bear pelts so he could 
touch it and mm. caress it in all of the natural ways. And he took it with him every place to the opera, on rides around the park, oh out to God. dinner parties with his friends. And everybody was pretty nice about it. Like, everybody was like, well, you know, Mama Mahler breaks a lot of hearts. Like, there's no right way to respond to a breakup. It's a testament to how, uh, how comfortable with feelings turn of the century Vienna was before the Nazis got to it. I mean, but that whole pel <laughs> the polar bear pelt story makes me think of these sex robots that are like for real it's like pretty much in my mind it's all straight men do together is figure out how to make the sex robots and that's all they're all doing and the rest of us just don't know about it and soon the sex robots um, are going to take over i get a lot of men yelling like women like you are the reasons that we're gonna make sex robots and then we'll never need you anymore <laughs> and like if you want to fuck a toaster dude you can do it tomorrow like yes. it's not can, a woman you're not <laughs> having sex with another person you can, you can stick already a dick have in sex. almost anything yeah. if you so desire yeah, you have sex with a machine right now if you want to. It's oh very They're gonna easy. do it, though. Uh, and those sex robots, I'm ready for that Armageddon time. Those sex robots <laughs> can kill you. Um, uh -huh. They've already figured out that they can be reprogrammed to murder people. Oh, that's what the women and the gays get together to figure out how oh, to do. Oh, yeah. yeah. These are what the separate slacks are. Yeah. yeah. I'm ready for, I'm ready for the, the two different slacks. Two different slacks, that's it. <laughs> this is like how Westworld did. Oh, yeah. Oh, Look, sure. if I've taken two things away from this so far, it's one, uh, don't fuck a Nazi. Even if he's Alexander Skarsgård and he's living in your house, that doesn't make him better. That makes him weirder. Can we put it as a Twitter poll? Can we just make sure? Did it right. I am your host, Scott Thomas, a.k.a. You've Scott Male, starring Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan. I almost said Julia Roberts because I couldn't remember who else was in that movie. That would be really exciting. That Parker Posey is really underrated in that movie. Oh, God, isn't uh, she? Yeah, she's great, and her character just seems fun. Like, she seems like she likes finding new books, and she likes drinking coffee, and I like that in a person. I think those are all things that are actually true about Parker, too. Probably, yeah. 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 I feel like Parker Posey is one of the only actors who is celebrated and yet perennially underrated by everyone. It's like mm -hmm. she can't not be both at any given time. Yeah. Like her memoir makes best of lists and we still won't give her her own show on Amazon or something. Nope. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. what the hell? Yeah. Who's in charge of that? How does Netflix not not have like a Perker Posey special yeah. where she could do anything? They green light everything. Yeah. yeah, honestly. Yeah. But who are these two awesome people with whom I'm discussing Parker Posey? Well, that's a great question, and I do want you to know. To my immediate left, he has appeared as a series regular on the AMC series Turn. He's a Drama Desk nominee for Boys in the Band. Yeah. And he has an incredible podcast called For the Girls, which you should absolutely stream ASAP. It is Nick Westrade. Dude. How you doing, man? I'm good, man. It's good to see you. It's I haven't good seen to you see in a you long too. time. I know. It's been actual years since I've seen both of you, which is incredible. And the other lovely person who is here with us, she has authored the books Get Well Soon and It Ended Badly, 
also the book We Came First, which is a collection of romantic advice from women throughout the ages. That comes out super soon. Is the political editor of Harper's Bazaar, one of the best damn Twitter followers I know, and the self-proclaimed queen of the gremlins, <laughs> Jennifer Wright. Thank you. It's really nice to be here. It is so lovely to have you here. And what are we doing here? We're here to make sense of a senseless world senselessly, turn think tanks into drink tanks. That's the point of this podcast, and we do that by going in on the week's news, but also playing a drinking game that not everybody knows the rules to. I have created rules for everyone. Maybe you guys have made rules for this. I don't know. It doesn't matter regardless if anyone figures out all the rules in this loose framework. You win a $10 gift card to Juice Press. Nice. We are not awesome. sponsored by Juice Press. I just bought a gift card Juice one Press. time. Sponsor this podcast Come right now. On. I keep trying to slide into their DMs and it's <laughs> not working. We'll stop drinking alcohol and only drink <laughs> celery juice. If uh, you, that's a lie. I had a very beautiful experience at Juice Press after the election. Um, Did you really? Yeah, I woke up very, very hungover, still wearing my Hillary shirt. Um, oh my because God. clearly that evening did not go the way I wanted it to go. Yeah. And I woke up the next morning. I wandered down to the Juice Press. I did not have my wallet with me. And I looked at the woman and I said, can you just give me juice? I'd really like some. And she said, sure, take it. Nothing matters. That's, um, I feel like everybody has a good November yeah. 9th story if you're a liberal in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. Did you have a good one, Nick? Yeah, just... I mean, I woke up catastrophically hungover. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> went to my local brunch spot and uh, my boyfriend and I were sitting there and we were so upset. And I was like, calling people and I was crying and this waiter who is a waiter and a bartender there is this lovely man and he came over and he was so sweet and so gentle with us but ev kind of ever since for the past two and a bit years yeah. every time I come in he's like walks over to me like I'm about to fall apart <laughs> yeah. and he's like hi Nick can I get you anything? And he's so ginger. He's like so just treats me with these little kid gloves because he's still in um, uh, trauma from having to wait on me on November 9th, yeah. 2015. Um, it, I I remember, okay, for I think the whole first week after, at least in New York, people were crying on subways. And we just got used to people crying in public. And finally, a few days after, I was at City Bakery. And this woman was talking on a phone, and she just started crying. And all the people sitting around her were like, I know, but it's New York. We're a very progressive city. Like, we're going to come together. And she said, my mother has cancer, okay? <laughs> 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 oh my god <laughs> that's incredible yeah. that's i i love when like because that happens all the time in in this culture for us right now like the things we are dealing with every day run up against the political and sometimes it intermingles and you're not sure where the pain is coming from somehow the, the story about cancer is so amusing for that very reason right it's like we're all two minutes to midnight all the time yeah. yeah, and, that li and the, the idea that we would we eventually had to realize that life was going to go that on. Like other this. things were going to happen beyond the election. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We actually had a big win for um, uh, Actors Equity for the Off Broadway negotiations. Yes. We had been working on this campaign called Fair Wage on stage for a really long time, and we were in the middle of the negotiation, and we finished in the six days after the election, and we were organizing people, and like it was the final push, and it was this really odd thing where like. The macro story was so awful, and it actually made our small group of organizers within the union work harder to be like, well, if we can fix this little thing yeah. and make this one small thing more just, mm -hmm. then maybe I'll have some faith in 
moving forward. Oh yeah, and we did, and it was amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. but it was it was one of the hardest weeks of my life. Individual yeah. actions suddenly do seem so much more meaningful than they did when, um, at least to me, when Obama was president. And yeah. uh, now I feel like there's, you know, a, a small moment fairly frequently where, you know, I keep trying to go up to Albany to lobby for things or call, <laughs> yeah. my, call my representatives or, yeah. yeah, take small actions that individuals can take to make yeah. things a little better. Yeah. It, it really was like a spiritual gut check in a sense, even if you're not religious. It's like there was just something about like, how will my spirit literally move forward in this state? Mm-hmm. And then you have to deal with yourself, which means dealing with like, I have responsibility yeah. as a person. Right? There's yeah. something I, I can do. Or, yeah. 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 or if you're me, most of the time, I don't have a job. Right, me too. <laughs> Actors, I work from home. I have to figure we out what to do. calling people on the phone all the time. <laughs> Working out of the pajamas is the best kind of work. Oh, and it really is. I love that we're talking about ways we chose to celebrate life in the face of craziness because that's actually the next segment we're going to do. It's called I'll Drink to That. Yeah, boy! I'll drink to that. What are we doing? We are toasting something that has made our week, our month. It can be anything. We've had the Whitney Museum celebrated before. We've celebrated albums by rappers before. Anything is on the table. So does anyone want to go first? Anybody got like a thing? Yeah, I'm, uh, it's yeah. going to be the opposite of the Whitney Museum. <laughs> I I would like to drink to the movie Greta starring Isabel Huber. Oh, I can't wait to see it. I saw it at midnight last night. It's terrible, but it's so good. At wait. one point, she ballet dances while dodging bullets. What? It's, uh, yeah. Oh, my God. I yeah. can't wait. It's like the camp classic I've oh, always it's, wanted. It's like, it's like whatever happened to Baby Jane. I feel like it was a throwback to like... <laughs> Trashy B movies from the past that I just absolutely loved oh with a God. new generation of talent. It's, I mean, again, it's very bad. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> uh, they make a lot of bad choices throughout this movie, and it kind of feels like a choose your own adventure game played the worst anyone could play it. Yes. <laughs> but uh, I love it. Bisexual thriller is my favorite genre. Ugh, it's great. What yeah. is your favorite bisexual thriller? Do you have one? A fiddle track. I don't oh, think that's course. B. That's oh. A. Yeah, I mean, that's I mean, kind that's of A. a. It's, yeah. it's definitely it's B that we've yeah. elevated to A, we though, because Glenn yeah. Close because Glenn just Close is a treasure, it. and I'm still mad about her not winning oh the gosh, Oscars, but I'll but try to work past it. She was it. nominated for an Oscar for that film, though, as was yeah. Ann Archer. So. Yeah, yeah, a film about an incredibly talented artist whose work had gone unrecognized by her peers, not been <laughs> awarded for too long. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, what an interesting, interesting movie to be nominated for. She's like, maybe if I live my actual life, I'll finally get the fucking Oscar. But we have great news this week in that she's doing the Sunset Boulevard movie musical. Oh, I know. I'm thrilled. So she's so ready. She's taking Sunset Boulevard right back to the Kodak Theater, and she's going to collect her prize when that happens. She deserves it. She really does. And, and like, they're going to have to give it to her at this point. It's going to hit a Denzel and Training Day moment where you're like, well, or really more Leo in The Revenant, where it's like, even if this doesn't work, (laughs) we're going to give him the award. Yeah. I don't know. I I feel like Leo did just kept keep taking on roles where he got more and more beat up after Titanic yeah. where he felt like a bad that people thought he was so handsome and decided I will literally get fucked by a bear to have people <laughs> stop seeing me that way but as, I feel like he has not really made a movie since The Revenant no, he's probably still recovering from the revenant. Yeah. He's got great health insurance, and it's taken care yeah. of him yeah. still to this day. 
Well, let's drink to Greta. Let's drink yeah. to Greta. Oh, that's such a good Are you a child? No, you the child. You need a mother to hold it. Don't you dare talk to me about my mother. She had to die. My eyes to me. Are you out of your mind? Look at her. She's full of greeting. She's gone Everyone needs a friend. Speaking of something that takes tropes that might be bad and I think elevates it to A-game status, mine is actually the show Good Trouble on Freeform. Have you guys seen this show? No. This is why I'm toasting the Good Trouble. So for some reason, Nick and I were talking about this off mic before we started. There's just so much fucking content, right? There, you could, I fall behind on my favorite shows. And sometimes I don't even watch the things I truly care about because mm-hmm. I'm just trying to keep up. But it seems like no one is watching Good Trouble. And one of the things that fascinates me about how I pick out content is I do like supporting a show that's identity politics feel progressive or sound to me. I like that I'm giving it streams or giving it attention just to be like, let's keep making the show even if it's not necessarily great. Sometimes it isn't always. Like Wesley Morris was talking about in the New York Times, like how do we start to have the discussion about is something good because of its politics? Does that mean it's still good, period? Like that's something we're trying to push the envelope forward on. One of the reasons Good Trouble is like the shit to me right now is – it looks kind of like a liberal's wet dream cast. It's like, okay, everybody is represented and we're covering Black Lives Matter and we're looking at sexism in the workplace and we're tackling all these things that deserve to be tackled in a medium. But the show embraces its coming of age and teen soap opera stuff so fully that it's really kind of a Trojan horse for those issues. And then some, like Roger Bart is on this show playing a deeply conservative judge and the show empathizes with his character so deeply, even as it doesn't um, soften his politics. They let that character be who it's going to be, but they make you care about him too. And the conservative people that are clerking for him, it seems to have an open heart for everybody, but it's also a show that dedicated 45 minutes to these characters trying to get laid, like, which is such a free form thing to do. Like I fucking love that. This is, do they do it? Oh, they do. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> and does it go like you expect? No, it zigs right where you should zag. There's revenge sex. There is an homage to love and basketball that wow. gets a character laid, which, ooh, like, <laughs> I didn't realize how much I cared about that scene from love and basketball. I have seen love and basketball in a long Me time. Me neither. It's yeah. time for a rewatch. Like, that's what I took away from Good Trouble. I was like, uh, Siri, add love and basketball to my queue, please. <laughs> I got to watch this shit again. Um, it's great. It's fucking great. And like all the teen actors are killing it. And and I'm just of all the shows I've watched this year, it's the one that both brings me the most joy the most joy. It apparently brings me back to my teenage speech impediment. So there we go. Um and it, it just really moves me to tears uh, wow. on occasion too. So like fucking good trouble. I want to try to spread the word. Cheers, cheers. to good trouble. Good yeah, trouble yeah, to that sounds it. great. I hope you guys enjoy it. Anyway, I I misread all the signals last night. Look, I, it's fine, Rosh. Really, there's nothing to talk about. Okay. Well, I really am sorry. Actually, you know what? It's not fine. And it's, it's not about misreading signals. It's about it being totally inappropriate to try to kiss one of your coworkers. Like, duh. I mean, I mean seriously, did you... Do you really think that asking me to help you with your work and, and, and telling me that I have such great ideas and then trying to kiss me wouldn't make you look like you're completely full of crap? 
and make me feel even more disrespected and vulnerable than I already do around here. So sorry. But sorry doesn't cut it. I'm proud of ABC Family for fully switching to Freeform in a way that I didn't think was going to happen. Yeah. Some friends of mine, I was like, what are you doing? He's like, well, I'm with this pilot for Freeform. I'm like, I like remember thinking like, oh, yeah. it's like an improv pilot. And the people kept referring to Freeform. I didn't know what it was for yeah. so long, like before it came out. Yeah. But they really did it. And it's like, good for it them. was a good rebranding. I mean, good for Disney. Yeah. Gosh, they really have a tough Gosh. time. You're proud of all of them. Yeah. They used all those millions and successfully rebranded a station. You're eating up everything, and God bless you. Oh, that's what I'm happy about oh, in the world. I'll drink to Disney. <laughs> no, fuck, fuck Disney. Um, <laughs> No, mine's on, again, also produced by Disney, ABC, the Oscars. Mm-hmm. Um, my, you know, my queen, my diva, Bette Midler, performed mm-hmm. on the Oscars. I found out only, like, five days before it was going to happen, six days before mm-hmm. it was going to happen, it was announced. She sang a song for Mary Poppins. I, of course, I've loved Bette Midler. I've been a fan since I was about six. And so I was racked with nerves through the whole ceremony until it happened. And then I was like sitting directly in front of the TV because it's like watching. I don't know if you have this with any performer or yeah. football player. I don't know what people are excited about. <laughs> what, what, what do straight people get excited yeah. about? But you yeah, you sure. look at something, you're like, I need, I want, I'm worried about you. I want it to be perfect. You're like a 74 year old, I mean, icon, legendary, flawless icon. Mm-hmm. And she executed it legendarily and flawlessly and it was so beautiful and she it was so simple and she was so relaxed and it was beautiful and it was for Mark Shaman who composed Mary Poppins who's been her music arranger for 30 years and it was a beautiful night and I felt like all the world was celebrating this diva who I have always celebrated and then everyone all got together and we all celebrated her and I was so Happy this week for that. So oh, cheers. cheers. Cheers, Beth. Also, yes. I am so relieved because I saw before this that you were a man. I did not know your politics or, uh, <laughs> or you inter- how you interacted with the world. Uh, we're going to talk about Bette Midler. And I became so scared that you would make fun of Bette Midler. And <gasps> I would have to leave the room. Between the dark and the morning light Searching for the things you used to know Looking for the place where the lost things go My my podcast is called For the Girls because we talk about um, women and iconic female performers But that's also a play on her film For the Boys so the whole title of, of the podcast it is. Yeah. The yeah, oh, I just put that together. Which is an obscure film, which also deserves a rewatch from everybody. Okay, I've so never seen it. She was nominated for the Oscar in 1991, Best Actress, lost to Jodie Foster for Silence of the Lambs. Oh, well. Damn. Yeah, it was Foster a good year. Great on that yeah. Film. Good year. It was yeah. also Thelma and Louise year, too. Oh, oh my God. for that. Yeah. yeah. Was, I'm kind of shocked that Jodie Foster won it. Jodie Foster, well. Thelma and Louise, Bette Midler, and Laura Dern. For the rambling. Oh, road. holy yeah, shit. Good year. Always a good year. That's a great I mean, come on. Year. It's yeah, always a great It's always a good it's year. A good it's a good year. category. Yeah. By the way, Nick, you have to drink twice, and Jen, you have to drink once. Okay. Oh, we have to figure out the rules. Mm-hmm. Only if you want. Only if you want. Then they go off the table, but it's okay. it's up to you. All right. 
I've seen people use this as an enabling device, like over the course of the podcast. I mean, I've been also drinking, but okay. <laughs> Those are my first two sips ever. Yeah, right. No, that's what happens. We pour ourselves these, and then it just it goes, it goes. Really, like A is going to come down on this podcast so hard at some point, and um, then I'll have them on as guests, and it's just be great. And get myself in all sorts of yeah, trouble. That seems- Seems like where they want their lives to go. That's not a toxic thing to do at all. Hey, people are so fun on podcasts. It's such a laugh. I'm just kidding. I love it. I respect AA. AA is great. Oh, I think it's amazing. Yeah. I I I have friends who have done it. It's great. It's good stuff. If any Trump voters are listening to this and want to say like liberal feminist hates AA, I love AA. I think it's a wonderful organization. You do have to start worrying about that. It's like, oh, so does that mean you hate that? No, not a blanket statement. Oh, man, I've had some Trump voters come after me because of the other podcast I do, which is the Infinity Podcast. It's a Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast, and I have shit on certain Marvel movies, even though I love them, and they're like, oh, so you're what? You're not okay with, like, a straight man saving the universe? I'm like... That's not what I said. That's not what I said at all. I need all. to listen to that podcast because I tried to watch Infinity War the other night and like had to call a friend of mine and, like in the first two minutes and be like, okay, wait, why are we on this planet and who is okay. Thanos? My husband writes comics for Marvel yes, in he his does. spare time. He also, he's wow. a writer for Colbert, but in his spare time, he's writing Black Panther versus Deadpool and he's got another one that's big coming up right now, but Ooh. I can't say what it is. Um, and... Um, I remember when we first started dating, he talked about how uh, we were sharing stories about, like, times we've been lonely. And he talked about how, like, it was, you know, this time when he just moved here and there was a Marvel movie coming out and he loves some. And he didn't know anybody, so he had to go to it by himself. And it was just so sad because it's his favorite thing and he couldn't talk about it with anybody afterwards. And I put my hand on his the way you do in the first weeks of relationships. I said, I promise you I will be by your side for every Marvel movie. Even if we break up, I'll be a person that you can share that with. And boy, that was the dumbest fucking thing I ever did. I didn't know how many of them they were going to make. You didn't know they were going to make 80. I didn't know they were going to be like 80 every year. Every single year. Every fucking year. And television shows and podcasts and everything. Oh, boy. Big comic book. I was a Spider-Man and X-Men kid growing up, and I, I mean, I got invited to be on this comics podcast recently, mm-hmm. and I was because I tweet sometimes about mm-hmm. Spider-Man. Yeah. But I was like, I, oh, I, I was like, you don't want me on the podcast. I'm not that smart. I don't remember enough of it. I stopped reading them when I was like 15. I haven't really, you know. Yeah. Sure. I'm yeah. not. Yeah. Yeah. But I love, so I have a love for it and an, um, an affinity, but I go to the movies sometimes and I'm like, I have no fucking clue what's going on. It, it's completely overwhelming. And I think like those of us that are plugged into like deeper layers of culture, which is not to say intellectually deeper, but maybe stuff that's on the third or fourth rung of stuff that usually gets watched by the general public. Why would we keep up with the Marvel stuff necessarily? Because maybe we want to spend some time with Queen Sugar or right. reading a book that's just yeah. come out. But then what I find is like, now those movies are so mainstream that I had the experience of I got sent a shirt by an Infinity Podcast listener that was of Miles Morales from the Spider-Verse oh, movie. Yeah, I really? love that, that movie. That was such a good movie. That was the best that movie. Was so it was good. in my top yeah. ten this year. Yeah, oh, for, for me fantastic. too. Me yeah, too. it was so yeah. good. Yeah, a, a, just an example of great cinema, actually. I'm just drinking to that right now. I'm yeah, let's drink, let's drink to Spider-Verse. Mm-hmm. 
it, we're starting to talk on this other podcast about how uh, maybe the other Marvel movies could be as great as Spider-Verse, because they're not. Well, if they were fucking cartoons and they were so brilliant like that and they looked like comic books And they again. were still kind of clearly for children because uh-huh. it's nice to have something that a kid could, you know, watch and enjoy that right. isn't a really dark superhero movie where Batman and Superman fight each other but then stop because their moms have the same name. It's <laughs> <Right. laughs> uh, <laughs> the dumbest plot twist. Even M. Night Shyamalan was like, pass. I'm not gonna, I'm not yeah. gonna do that shit. Uh, but like I had this Miles Morales shirt on and this dude pointed at me and was like, yo, bro, is that Miles Morales? Yo, that's fucking Miles Morales right there. Damn, dude. And I'm like, wait, what? Like, that's the kind of character that in grade school I never would have assumed in a million years like a b- presenting bro would have recognized right. in the middle of the street in a yeah. very small town. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, Our culture is mainstream culture now. Yeah. Um, the yeah. broiest guys I know all play video games. Yeah. And uh, they all watch movies about superheroes mm-hmm. and know like a lot of backstory on various incarnations of Spider-Man. Well, and because the internet made it easy, right, for everyone to become an expert on anything yes. in a way, like in a very short amount of time. Like it used to be before, like yeah. if you really wanted information about Spider-Man, like you had to have like read a lot of the comics, and, like go to a comic shop and like get the shit before, like collect the cards, like know what's happening. Whereas now you can just like Wikipedia it and then go out with your friends to a trivia night. Yes, yeah. yeah. exactly. Yes. And then actually speaking of being authorities on things, I think that actually creates an interesting pivot into talking about the Weekly Rewind. And the stuff that happened this week. Because... This is what I attempt to do on this podcast, for better and worse. I'm like, okay, so let's look at all the stories that came out and see if there's a unifying idea that you could stack a few of them into. Like a beer flight, if you will. I'm trying to come up with Mm. a beer flight-related name for this segment. And the idea of what constitutes an authority in 2019 was on my mind looking at the news. I kept thinking of the phrase, see you in court, because of how many times, even though it wasn't literally a court, the idea of legal precedent seemed to define the week in general, whether it was Cohen or Brexit or the House nullifying the wall, mm-hmm. which, right. Jen, you wrote about so yeah. interestingly in Harper's this week about the idea of walls. Uh, yes. Which is um, fucking my fascinating. My greatest fear is that we will return to a series of feudal states like in the Middle Ages, mm. all of them surrounded by walls mounted with machine guns and just stop mm-hmm. the free exchange of ideas that really has been... Uh, you know, a defining feature of our civilization since the Renaissance. So uh, I think about walls a lot. They never work, uh, but they make people feel safe. And the thing about being behind a wall is that it's a clear way to demarcate everybody else as an invader or an enemy, which Mexico isn't. Mexico is our ally. Um, It never works. The Great Wall of China didn't work, and it killed thousands of people along the way. Um, Hadrian's Wall in Rome didn't work, and again, hundreds of people dead, lasted very briefly. And that's when there were no planes. That's when there was an actual tactical advantage to having scouts in a really high position so you could see other people coming towards your city. 
so yeah, I'm uh, I'm afraid of walls. Uh, like walls as walls. That's not completely legitimate. And that's why I hate being inside houses. <laughs> <laughs> Only outdoors. For yeah. Um, I'm also oh, the the wall I'm most afraid of is the um, my partner is from Northern Ireland. He's from mm. Belfast. Okay, and he's so he knows Protestant Northern Irish and. Um, John Oliver did this amazing piece last week. Yes, on he did. And where they talk about this wall. And like so many people, I've gotten into a few Twitter kerfluffles with people about Brexit. And like, if you don't know what it is, just fucking read. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> Google it and think about it. But Isn't that, it amazing how many people don't have Google on their computers? And you so need to weird. explain they, the whole you thing. You need for me to like explain yeah. Brexit to you. It's like right. not my fucking job. It's John Oliver's job, obviously. Because yes. he did it. And yeah. I'm like, Good. Watch John Oliver. Mm-hmm. But that wall that could go up, I mean, both sides on that wall are terrified of it because as soon as even checkpoints go up, there's this man who they interview on John Oliver and he says, well, no, we'll shoot at it. Yeah. yeah. We'll sh- because yeah. that is a sign of the conflict. That is saying that these two places are separate. And the biggest thing that the Good Friday Agreements did was say, we're not having any check, like the free flow yes. yeah. of people on the land mass that is Ireland, which contains the Republic of Ireland and Northern Ireland, is such a precarious piece Mm -hmm. that no one thought about. I mean, no one thought about anything in terms of Brexit, and fucking David Cameron is the worst. But (laughs) that wall is the one I'm really scared about, because it affects my my in-laws, my extended family in Northern Ireland in a serious way. And, and and actually, going back, Jen, you have to drink. Actually, okay. um, that was the most polite response I've ever heard. Yes, okay. <laughs> okay, wait. I want to guess what it is. Okay, it's references to Hadrian. It is. Oh, what a oh, great it's guess! Always it's always to always references to Hadrian. Ball. That should have been a rule. That would have been a great ass rule. I love that. It is. It is not great guess. And you were talking about walls, and you guys both said something that kind of sparked my imagination, which was like the idea that it's a clear marker in Brexit. It's a clear marker of there being conflict again. Right. Mm -hmm. Like if that's up, we're going to shoot. Um, The walls are a very clear sign that like we are no longer allies with this person. Uh, Anybody on the other side of the wall is an invader. Right. And it it makes me think there's this one guy, this guy that I work with at this day job. He is a huge Trump supporter. And what's really interesting about following him on Facebook is kind of getting a very neutral window in. And he was Facebooking about a Kentucky basketball game this week. That seems pretty innocent. It was amazing watching how quickly he tore the team down for being behind by like 10 points at halftime. If you follow college basketball at all, which I barely do, that's nothing. It's nothing. It's not a thing. And he was like, this team sucks. They're terrible. I'm like, they're the seventh team in the country. Why am I saying that? Because like, I sometimes feel that like what his supporters want is a clear win. It's in the it's in the ideology, right? We're going to build this thing, and that will mean we did it, and we made this thing happen, and it's like a clear signal that like we accomplished something. Even though what's very clear when you dig into the story is it means nothing. Like it's completely symbolic, and his being so upset at the half where it's not clear the team's going to win or not, and it's like you choose to imagine disaster and the worst case scenario, which is always the way MS thirteen is painted or immigrants are painted by Trump, and like. Like, if you could just open and expand your mind to something that's not clear and live in the discomfort, maybe, that you deal with, we could move past this idea of this stupid wall that doesn't work and is not uh, – it, it's so dumb. It's, like, unbelievable. Well, people also are so addicted to – and I think this is true on the left, and I'm guilty of it, too sure. – um, addicted to or love the feeling of being angry. Love the feeling oh, of Oh, outrage culture? Yeah. Yeah, just high dungeon, yeah. just being able to be – 
right or to be upset. Just the yeah. feeling of upsetness. Well, a feeling of righteousness, we, too. Yeah. When we yell yeah. at somebody who has a bad take on Twitter, we feel good about ourselves because we have the right take and uh, yeah. we have the correct politics. And yes, I think that manifests on the right as well. It's just an opposite kind of viewpoint. Well, yeah. we, we saw that in the Cohen trial a lot, right? Like there was, a, 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 or I said trial, Jesus, like it's Nuremberg or something. It did feel that way though. Finally, he'll pay for his crimes. Finally. <laughs> um, ben Stiller, you're going to jail. Like, he won't pay for his crimes because he talked bad about Trump and will give him a lenient sentence. Oh, oh. Um, I doubt that'll happen. Okay, uh, Trump seems to really hate disloyalty. I don't, think, <laughs> I don't think Michael Cohen should be relying on, uh, you know that no, in pardon. Mad Max Beyond Fury Road, where Imperator Furiosa says you're relying on the gratitude of a very bad man. No, but not yeah. even that. that um, isn't there something about that they can re-examine his sentence? Yeah. If he gives enough good evidence yeah. to, yeah. you know, whatever. So, but it was yes. just interesting that, you know, Mueller was like, he's a good witness. And, this, and you know, SDNY was like, no, he was, you know, shit. He's terrible. He broke the law. It's just. Yeah. This... Um, I mean, I think it's a little ridiculous to keep yelling, you're a bad man, Michael Cohen. You tell lies. You're a liar who lies. I yeah. hate anyone who lies ever, <laughs> even once. Yeah, if he was a good man who didn't lie, Trump wouldn't have hired him. This right. wouldn't be happening. Yeah. Yeah. Also, when it comes from Jim Jordan, the, like, hider of all child molesters Ooh, in the state yeah, of Ohio. Yeah, right. Like, yeah. like, that was what was sending me in. Speaking of rage-filled moments. Like, sure. Jim Jordan was sitting up there as this paragon of virtue. But why was Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez seemingly the only person who showed up having done the reading? Also I know that. <laughs> but also, I love this because, you know, I love to advocate for fair wages. Yes. <laughs> she tweeted out, and it was so brilliant she was like this is what happens when you pay your staff and she gave props to her staff for having prepped her right and, they, for her. and she, they were like, and they were sitting there and they were just had prepped her so well and she went in like a surgeon mm-hmm. yeah yep. to lay the groundwork for subpoenaing alan weisselberg yeah right like Boom. using yeah. her five minutes yes. which to me seems like i could not believe how many people used like a minute and a half to go like this is how I feel about you, Mr. Cohen. Yeah. Now I have some questions. I'm like, you only have five minutes. Yeah, it's you gotta be quick. She yeah. already has the attention of the world, though. Yeah. So yeah. she doesn't need sound bites. It's really fair point. Does anybody need sound bites? Because I'd much rather vote for people who seem to get things done. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But people, I think that their press teams and stuff are like, oh, we want you to get this really good line in so mm. you'll go viral. You can see people trying yeah. to do that. Yeah. And she doesn't need to do that because she is viral. Also, yeah. that's what Twitter is. Like, if you want to put yourself into, like, a pithy statement, you can yeah. do so on that medium and then use your five minutes well. Like, Chris Murphy is my senator because I live in Connecticut. Mm-hmm. Like, Murphy's really good about that. He doesn't waste his time when he's in a hearing. Mm-hmm. He, like, goes for the jugular. Yeah. I'm like, why is it only two of them that are, are doing that on, on the whole? By the way, we all have to drink. Oh, okay. Yeah, we all, we all broke a rule. Is a drinking rule, does a drinking rule have to do with Twitter? No, not oh. Twitter. Is it um, a verbal tick? Is it something like we said, like? No, I've okay. I've done that, and then like people have gone home blackout. I was like, I'm wow. not I'm not doing that okay. anymore. It was me. Wow. It was me. Okay. You went home blackout. I did. Oh, wow. uh, the sixth episode of this podcast about summer television. Chrissy Shackelford, who writes for Wyatt Senac and is just one of the smartest people I know, picked up on the fact that I'm very. Um, positive in, in like supporting people so anytime i verbally supported someone's take i had to drink and i could not figure it out and i do not remember the last 10 minutes of that podcast <laughs> wow. and i was more okay. terrified to go back to that editing like than i've been of anything in my life oh that's amazing any audition any anything 
But but no, I, th- I think your point is is like really well taken about them going for sound bites as opposed to like making this happen. It's part of the modern political circus, and it was one of the most fascinating things to watch unfold on both sides over the course of that because it felt like seven hours in which we could have gotten more done or had more said, even with the stuff that came out. Like so much of it was from his opening statement, yeah, which is but wild. That, but to get that ending from Elijah Cummings was pretty Oh, yeah, that was great. Yeah, well, he that was, was amazing. fantastic. I yeah. mean, that was really – he's an extraordinary man. And, like, also when he came out afterwards and talked about having recently been in the hospital and being near death and then coming yeah. back. You know, it was there was such a – this weird personal journey for Michael Cohen that was um, acknowledged by Elijah Cummings. And Elijah Cummings seemed to be going through this whole personal journey – uh, of his own that was yeah. fascinating to, yeah. to watch I, I watched the whole fucking thing I did too God, yeah. yeah yeah yes and, and like they both had lives in service which is a weird thing to say but that like he has given his life in service to politics and Michael Cohen gave a huge part of his life in service to Donald Trump, Trump. yeah and so in a weird way they understand each other from that perspective yeah. but that's the thing I think about a lot when I look at our current climate is like you're giving yourself in service to this idea and when the GOP is the way it is, you're serving this thing whose head trickles poison down to the root of it. And it's so it's shocking when someone like Justin, um, what is his last name? The guy from Michigan, the Republican who was not crazy and actually asked Cohen what Trump's biggest fear was. Um, that oh, guy. I thought that was crazy. I'm That's sorry. A fair point. That's that a fair felt point. like an interesting question that you might throw up after like the third glass of wine at a dinner party. <laughs> like who else hates snakes? <laughs> and we all know the answer is pictures of his hands. <laughs> God, pictures of his hands. That's well, you know, amazing. They Photoshop his hands. All I the know. Time. The White yeah. House yeah. Fucking photoshops his finger. He circled that picture for Graydon Carter at Vanity Fair and yeah. pointed to his hands and said, "Normal sized." Wait, he right. did what? That's. I think how, yeah. that's how this started. I forgot that, that. Graydon Carter referred to him as like a tiny fingered vulgarian. And Donald Trump sent back a picture of his hands that were circled and said, "My hands are a normal size." <laughs> I mean, the level of psychosis is just... Well, I, I think it's interesting when you talk about a life in servitude because yeah. a thing that I end up saying a lot is that to be a good president, you really have to have the heart of a servant because it's not mm. personally going to be fun. I mean, I imagine living in the White House is fun and getting to meet celebrities is fun, but you could do that and not be, you know, the president. You can have a big house and meet celebrities if that's what you're looking for. To be a good president, you have to wake up every morning and figure out how can I do the most good for the most people. And that is a terrifying thing to wake up to every day and exhausting. I would never sleep. I feel like I uh, relate to – I remember for some reason, I can't even remember why, Biden just rambled for a long time about how Obama stayed up very late at night, Hmm. every night, and he was really tired, Yeah, and he would go to sleep, but Obama would not go to sleep. Yeah, that's how I feel about that. Yeah, Uh, That feels like a terrifying weight up on your shoulders. Also, half of the country will hate you. Uh, If they vote to kill any person in the country, it'll be you. Yeah, Uh, Yeah. yeah. so to do that well, you have to 
love that burden, and I really don't think Trump does. Oh, I think God, Trump hates no. that burden. Yeah. No, but no. I also don't think he gives himself that kind of schedule as we <laughs> oh, as yeah. become no. abundant. Yeah. No. no, I don't think Trump is staying up really late at night saying like, "How can I help the school teachers in Missouri today?" No. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's misinterpreted radical self-care to mean go to the golf course. Of course, every day. Like, like, yeah. And taking it to a radical degree. Mm -hmm. Though I think Trump suffers from something that a lot of Americans, people suffer from right now, which is that he, I think he does stay up all night thinking about what people are thinking about him mm. and thinking about like what his, how he's being perceived yeah. and what his perception is. And I think that that's something that's happening to the whole country as social media has taken its crazy hold over the last decade. And that's something that he has in common with people like, oh, does that person really hate me now? Does Ann Coulter really hate me now because of the national emergency and when I declared it? Like, I think he actually is tormented by things and he is a tormented man and it has to do with ego. But I think he represents a lot of all of our worst selves. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think spending all your time worrying about being unliked is how you become unliked in this situation. Yeah. So I don't think it behooves him to keep worrying about people's opinion of him. And I think... Look, I think one of the things that Trump actually was kind of smart about was uh, just being able to, like, absorb the hits on his campaign trail. Yes. Where when everybody else would have been like, I'm deeply ashamed of that. I'm so sorry. Trump was just like, move on with your lives. I'm keeping going. Yeah. And uh, I don't like Trump. I don't think that's the right way to respond much of the time. But I do think that in an era where a lot of us feel like we have to apologize for a lot of things, that was probably very appealing to some people. It's, it's, there's something aspirational about yeah. not giving a fuck. Yeah. It's the God, only yeah. thing that's aspirational about Trump is that yeah. sometimes it, but I think, as but he I think becomes, he cares deeply. Now. But as he gets yeah. deeper into his presidency, mm-hmm. I think it's fucking with him in a completely different way than Hillary Clinton, mm-hmm. you know, doing long speeches about what a fucking criminal he yes. is yeah. Yeah. had an effect on him. Because yeah. well, he was like, she's boring, no one cares. Yeah, so, 100%. yeah I fell asleep listening to her. Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, And another way that it ties into something else we all wanted to touch on is like, I wonder how it's going to affect his 2020 campaign, as it were, because we're seeing a bunch of the other candidates like start to rise up and... I, there was a bunch of tweets coming out about a political article today from about uh, Kamala Harris about how now she's being too nice. Like Politico was basically like she can't quite strike the balance, which of course is something we do to women in politics mm-hmm. as opposed to men in politics. And that's a whole other thing. Mm-hmm. And when I try to take a step back from that can of worms, which is we can deal with that can of worms, I go like, will the Democrats maybe take more of that bulldoze approach Moving forward as they launch their 2020 campaigns, because God knows he's just going to not give a fuck, even with everything he's built up. And it's like, could we let all these guys run and women run similar campaigns? Yeah. If instead of apologizing every time something uh, like Elizabeth Warren's terrible handling of her ancestor came up, if she just yelled, well, I'm not Trump, I'm keeping going. Yeah. Hope you like my speech on policy. Yeah. Maybe that would be more effective. Like. Yeah, but then she did. But then the speech on policy doesn't follow up because I think mm. the follow up yeah. to that is then like, come watch me make fun of people for twenty minutes. That's right. Talk about why yeah. your oven doesn't work. Right. You know, just like really come watch me bitch and make shit up. Yeah. Right. Which is what his people That's his love. Whole thing, yeah. You know. Yeah. And That's if true. the al- the alternative, it's hard because the alternative. Yeah. Uh, 
it's hard to fight fire with fire in this case. Yes. I sometimes think yeah. I really want a Democratic candidate to just be like, oh, fuck off to Donald Trump. Like, yes. I wanted Hillary I to say fuck off to, to yes. him yes. Yeah. so much, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, but then at the same time, I don't want to stoop to the level. It's it's very difficult. It's very similar, though, today. Political also had a story about how Elizabeth Warren's dog, Bailey, is going to humanize her, and he's her best surrogate. And I'm like, you guys are literally <laughs> saying that she, need, like, she, a she needs a dog? Right. And Elizabeth Warren is not good at social media. It's like the whole beer thing was not good. I like her dog. I, I think, think she's, she's great. a nice professorial lady who has some very good ideas on economic reform. Yeah. Right? Sure. Yeah, good for her. I think that someone in her campaign is pushing her a little hard on IG Live, and maybe mm. she could chill out on that. But yeah. otherwise, it's great. Most of us aren't good at IG Live. No, I don't like, want to do IG Live. Do you? No. Nobody does. No. Ew. Absolutely. There are some people I know who, like, do you know Alexander Billingsley? Yes, from I Transparent. Do. Yes. She's amazing on IG Great. Live. I love her IG. I will yeah. be like, I will watch her for like 20 minutes and be like, I have to get on with my day. But yeah. I'm not good at it. No, and it's not necessarily the people you'd think. So why should we expect it of politicians? You know, like like Busy Phillips has turned IG Live into a talk show. She's yeah. incredible. Oh, for her. It's I love Busy Phillips. Phillips. Oh, great. Yeah. fucking great. If I could do a second, I'll drink to that. Her memoir, This Will Only Hurt a Little. Oh my fucking god, oh, guys! It's okay. so good. It's so good. But like, even she in the memoir talks about how she was like, "I had no idea that this would be my medium." So like, why should we expect that of politicians? You're not born into being good totally. at this thing, and we it, shouldn't crucify somebody for making a mistake on the medium like yeah. one no. time. No, um, and I do feel like Republicans will line up to vote for any old white man you throw in front of them. Whereas Democrats get a great deal of personal satisfaction out of being woker than the candidate. (laughs) And finding one stupid tweet that they did and saying we can never vote for this person now. Right. Which is the thing is like, I wonder why we want part of our culture to be that like we'll eat ourselves alive. Which is, cultural cannibalism has happened for ages, particularly with female pop stars. We did that to Britney. We've done that to almost every teen pop star that's come through the ringer. But, like, why are we doing that to the politicians, too? They're not supposed to be celebrities. This should not be uh, something that we treat the way we treat other celebrities and decide to cut people down as soon as Mm -hmm. they get tall enough. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. I think that AOC is moving into a different realm of political celebrity because she's actually good at it. She oh, genuinely yeah. knows how to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I I think we're at the beginning of a very, very big phenomenon. Yeah. It was not precocious. I, well, uh, she's 29. Um, by the time she could be running mm-hmm. for president, the Republicans will have laid a lot of groundwork on that, as That's they true. did That's for for 20 sure. odd years. Yep. Yeah. So, and I think one of the takeaways from CPAC this week, which is not something I'll drink to under any circumstances, was the incredible awareness of people of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's existence. Yeah. They know her. They know she's dancing and trying to steal their cows. Sure. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And it's it's interesting to compare her to early Hillary, because, like, early Hillary was also, like, single-payer health care, and she was this very... Voice for children. Uber feminist woman. It was this incredible. I mean, that was the thing when people were painting her as this centrist Republican monster during the campaign that I was like, 
what are you talking about? She's the original yeah. feminist. Yes. Hillary also wanted to institute a 65% tax on the yeah. super rich. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. She said it all before. Yeah. It, it's, a, it's a very interesting similarity that I hadn't thought of, of how she's becoming the new, AOC is becoming the new boogeyman. Yeah, because yeah. fear is what fuels them, right? Like it, it's like if they can be afraid of the thing, they can use that as ammunition not only against them but to mobilize their own forces. So it's interesting. I sometimes think like it behooves that base of the Republican Party to get scared as shit that she's dancing on a roof. Not, I don't want it to behoove them, but I'm like, oh, now they're gonna like really try to lay groundwork against her mm-hmm. and find their own candidate and learn the language of maybe dropping into a Twitch live stream. That one actually particularly scares me because God knows the most toxic community I could think of is male gamers. Oh, like yeah. by and large, like her going into I don't that. I even know what Twitch is. That's I know it because a lot of the people who say the most hateful things to me online, yeah. like the guys who will just come out of nowhere in response to a tweet about the brave little toaster and be like, "I'm gonna rape you, bitch." To the always, brave little toaster. Always have a link to Twitch in their bios. It's always like a link to proud Twitch gamer. Follow me on Twitch. What it's about? Uh, it's about video games. Yes. Twitch? Also, I love cryptocurrency. Those are the two similarities <laughs> in their bios. I love video game money and video games. Yeah, yeah and telling women. <laughs> that I'm gonna fuck them in a brutal manner. Yeah. I'm sorry, I don't know what that is. I don't play, I played Super Nintendo. Oh. I stopped after Super Nintendo. I um I'm pretty good at Tetris. Are you? <laughs> Have you played that new Tetris 99? Yeah, yeah. How are you doing it? Not that? very well. Not very well. <laughs> it's a really hard um, game. I was really happy. I saw an article that people are just getting destroyed by people with names like I love my two grandchildren. <laughs> or Ooh. yeah. Wow. Ellen, 40, 49 years proud, uh, Tetris player, 86 years old in total. I'm obsessed uh, with Ellen. I know. Um, it's Come all, on this podcast, it's all of these Ellen. you are a welcome guest. Who have been playing Tetris since 1980. Oh. And now this is their time, finally, yes. to show I, their skills. I did read Ready Player One this year before Ooh, the movie happened. Nice. And I really dug that book. And I'm. I guess maybe because it's like nostalgia. It's like analog nostalgia. Sure. Anyway, I dug it. I wasn't like, I liked the movie fine, but I loved the book. I'm going to be yeah. honest. I'm going to disagree with you here. Go ahead. Go for <laughs> Sorry. it. I, I think uh, the book sends kind of a dumb message to those guys that instead really? of getting out and interacting with the world around you, if you wait long enough, eventually you'll be rewarded for the bizarre set of esoteric knowledge that exists only in a computer <laughs> that you have accumulated. Well, it's true. I'm, yeah. No, the message is, yeah. It's but, very problematic. And you have to take both people's sides, which Chris... Chris Shackelford would make me drink for, right? Like, I enjoyed the book, too. I think it has that message. And it's that fascinating thing of, like, if you want to see your perspective in something, you will. Mm-hmm. Like, I think of how many people, like, watched uh, the original Colbert Report and were like, yeah, <gasps> yeah that dude that guy gets agreed it. With him. Yeah, yeah. They, they were like, he, he gets Republicans us. thought he was on their oh, side. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But those are, people are fucking idiots. No, they're not. No. Colbert kind of deliberately made sure that... You believed that he was elaborating on some right. things, yeah. but you thought that if you went up to him and you met him in person, he'd be pretty much exactly where you were on the issues. Yeah. And it's hard to transition from doing that to doing a show where you actually have to talk about what you do believe. Right. I, I literally went to a book signing of his once while that was on the air. It was when America came out, and he was completely silent. 
um, during for the whole thing. And what I later heard, because I had a friend that was working on Colbert Report at the time, is one of the reasons that he stayed silent, no matter who signed the book, is he didn't know what their politics were going <gasps> to yeah. be when they came up to get a signature. Yeah. So he was like, I'm not going to say anything, because that keeps this going. I actually had like a little flop with Colbert recently. You know he did that. He brought up, there was this uh, song by Chan, um, by... Hold on, I'm not going to get my rappers confused. We'll, we'll, we'll fix it in editing. <laughs> um, by Childish Gambino and I think Chance the Rapper, the duet that he said was in the same tune to, or the same rhythm as some kind of Tolkien language. Yes. Do you remember that? Yes, 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 I and do. He did the whole thing and he did it, the Tolkien language, but he completely omitted the part where they say faggot multiple times in the song. Do they really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Both those guys say faggot all the time. God, that's so depressing. And then, like, everyone's, like, using this, and everyone's talking about how much we love. You, and you just look around, and you're like, oh, great. But as we lift this up, it's this thing when we talk about being intersectional. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, but why are we lifting up people who are saying faggot all the time in their songs? Yeah. Like, or can't we at least, I'm not saying cancel anybody. Could we just be like, hey, can we recut that song with less faggot in it so that maybe I could like it? Yeah, or yeah, okay, or can you be, examine your decision? Nice. Yeah, right. Like, yeah. if you're right. willing to wrestle with that publicly, that might be good for everybody. In mm-hmm. fact, and we're going to decide not to cancel you because we're going to be like, hey, talk to me about how you arrived at the use of this word, especially someone yeah. like Chance, given how strong his politics are about yeah. Chicago. Like the guy has. Will you been... please Google the fact that that is who that duet is from? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, before, <laughs> before, before, before this before goes we off, we yeah, come yeah. for Chance the Rapper. Yeah, yeah. But, um, Chance Hive is going to come for me and be like, "I'm going to kill you." I'm like, yeah, I'm <laughs> while you sleep. I know that that song that Colbert did uses the word "faggot," um, but that and it was just a weird thing to me. And that Colbert and I like tweeted at Colbert, mm-hmm. and of course, like you know, you're not going to hear anything back. But you an know. intern is running that account. <laughs> oh sure. <laughs> no, but but it also brings up an interesting idea, right? Which is like, what are we going to celebrate in people? What are we going to cancel them for? Mm-hmm. It, it it's yeah. it, it's like who deserves to. And if I can't, and if we canceled everyone who was anti-gay at some point in oh. the last thirty years, we'd, we'd have to cancel like everybody. Yeah. And we yeah. as a community have like learned to be like, hey, if you stop talking like that, we'd really appreciate it, and then like continue to be cool with yes. you, Barack Obama. Right. Yes. Like, you yes. Know, the best example. Yes, exactly. Our community has a long history of that, of like teaching and moving on. Yep. And I think we all can learn from queer people on that front. Yeah. No, yeah. I mean, I think we have to offer people a path to redemption as well and yeah. a way to get better. It's not enough to say like, you you did some really shitty things in the past. Now your career is over because we hate you. We have to say like, here's you know, here's some books you might want to read. Like, yeah. this is pretty fun. Yeah. Unless you're Matt Lauer. <laughs> <laughs> Matt been, Lauer uh, with his rape button. <laughs> I've been fucking over Matt Lauer since what he did to Ann Curry. And ever, you know, I'm okay. never going back to I him. love those early lines in the sand. Like, honestly, like, R. Kelly creeped me the shit out early oh, on. Like, yeah. I want to be like. South I, Park has been fucking dragging R. Kelly for 15 yeah. years. Ages. Yeah, none of this is news. No. Yeah. We grew up in Chicago. Yeah. Like, this shit was abundantly clear from oh, moment one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, you know what I mean? My husband uh, went to a high school that was near us but where R. Kelly routinely showed up at the school oh, to prey on female students. Oh, so. my God. Well, and it was like Kevin Spacey wasn't news. Like, none of no. this was news. Yeah. It was. It's just this new thing that we all of a sudden as a culture realize, like, oh, wait, we can all talk about it. We're like, yeah. like, I, like any human being can have a press release. Yeah. Yeah. 
We yeah. And that did not used to be the case. I do think there's also a difference between doing uh, things that are shitty, which I'm sure I've done to people oh, and God, which people have too. definitely done to me, um, and doing things that are illegal. I think there's like a world of difference between 100% correct. R. Kelly and Aziz Ansari, and I think everybody oh, yeah. understands oh, yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, and we should make sure they do if they don't. I'm like, I'm like, yo, yeah. there's a, this is two different things here, yeah. guys. Two very different things. Yes. And uh, instead of speaking about people who'd wrong women, what's interesting? <laughs> that was the gin kicking in. Hi, Jen. Hi, Jen. How are you, SC Strong Jen? Um, let's talk instead about women, period, and how awesome they are, because the big topic is Women's History Month. And I'll be real. I picked this kind of broadly because I thought everybody in this room, we care about women. It's been a part of our brand, whether it's celebrating women on a podcast or writing about them, or in my case, like just trying to be a better guy and give women a platform. And I was thinking about Women's History Month, and the question I posed is like, what on earth does that mean in 2019? Because I don't know. How might it be contextualized historically? Because as we were saying off mic, I know what Black History Month is. No matter what you make of that or if it's an easy out for people, it's like we've had that culture of acknowledging. But I was thinking, like, I barely knew Women's History Month existed, and that felt like a weird blind spot for me. And just an opportunity to look at 2019 and go, like, hmm. what what could this mean moving forward? Because there's so many issues on the table, and especially thinking with legal precedent, one that keeps coming to mind to me is, like, the Supreme Court justice is getting added. And how do we celebrate Women's History Month when we are, it seems, continuously moving towards something that might be trying to strip rights away from women? Like, that that dissonance for me. Just all watch The Handmaid's Tale together. God. <laughs> Have you have you read Red Clocks? Has that oh, book yeah, ever I come up? Oh yeah, I love that. Oh, wonderful book. Fucking yeah, best book. It. Did you read that? Yeah. yeah. Oh shit! Great I book. love that we've all read that book. Yeah, it's me incredible. too. Yeah. yeah, that was the book that kind of made me want to do this. In yeah, part. the Pink Wall with Canada. Um, yeah, just slowly peeling away those those abortion rights. Because yeah, it doesn't feel that far away. It doesn't. No, it no. feels really close, and it feels like a lot of women will be complicit in their own destruction because mm. uh, because as a woman there is is so much pressure to be liked and so much pressure to sit back when other people are saying like actually your problems aren't as big as my problems <laughs> actually like just 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 set this one out and we'll get to your problems eventually yeah. and i'm been very excited that there are so many female candidates that are putting women's issues right front and center in their campaign like yeah. elizabeth warren talking about child care yeah. and gillibrand talking also gillibrand. yeah oh gillibrand is only running as a mother and good for her mm-hmm. yeah. yeah even if she doesn't even if she doesn't i don't know who's gonna me neither it, yeah she is putting that front and center yes. and I, yeah. I admire the hell out of her for doing that yeah. also on like sexual assault in the military yes. she's always been she's right always been good yep yeah um, I dig her. I like her a lot. I yeah. do too. Um, yeah, my husband's my husband's a Jillibro. Uh, is that a term? I didn't know that was a term. It's only a term in our house. Uh, I love a Jillibro. Okay, hashtag Jillibro yeah. rail riders. Let's just get this one going. Um, I'm for that. Do you? When she calls into the Brian Lara show, mm-hmm. I'm so excited because she will take any question. She'll like go at it from every angle. She will. Yeah. I mean, she's been doing she's that since she joined smart. the Senate in New York. You yeah. Know, for anyone who's not a New Yorker, the Brian Lara show is in New York. 
uh, politics show that's really great. Mm-hmm. We have a strong Iceland contingent, so I think it's very good to contextualize yes. that for okay. our listeners. Great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, podcast uh, <laughs> analytics are amazing, guys. Is it nice in Iceland? I, I bet it's nice. <laughs> I have women's rights in Iceland. You have so many women's rights. Yeah, tell us how to yeah. do it. Just, yeah. You can fix this for Women's no, History Month, guys. Women like, strike. Uh, that's kind of, uh, was one part of the turnaround. Is that what happened? In Iceland. Yeah, there was a huge strike. I don't remember what year it took place in. It wasn't oh, that wow. long ago, though, where, yeah, women walked out of work and walked out of the home and showed how important women's work in society was mm-hmm. and how Iceland kind of ground to a halt, which at least feels like a response to all the men on Twitter who said if all the women lost their jobs, everything would be fine. So, oh God, yeah, it's crazy. yeah, yeah. It's absolute insanity. I mean, I am, I have been saying for a while that I will not vote for a man for president this year. Okay. Like I just refuse nice. to. Um, but <laughs> I, I do really like Sherrod Brown, and I'm glad that he's in the race, or he's not in the race yet. But I'm, I'm excited about the possibility about it. of him being in the yeah. race yeah. because I think he understands labor rights in a way mm-hmm. that are really that's really complicated that isn't like a bernie sanders railing against billionaires soundbite from a three million dollar house mm-hmm. yeah um and <laughs> and um what a poor so one I'm, out for him because you just slayed him that was good <laughs> that's the um that's the only guy i'm kind of interested in like i like i like beto and i think he's I great do but like beto yeah i don't i'm not as in, as interested as i am in any of the female candidates and i just really w- like i wish sheila jackson lee was in the primary mm-hmm. i wish that you know a lot of different women in congress were in the primary yeah, but yeah. they're not but i'm excited that there are now six seven <gasps> yeah. yeah yeah i think it's do we have any seven. more to announce i don't Think so. I can think of no, not off the I mean, unless Hillary sure. gets into it. Right. Hillary's not going to get into it. <laughs> Please. We don't need to go through that. I'm again. the world's biggest Hillary Clinton yeah. fan on earth. Oh no. Oh. Uh, uh, oh, I adore Hillary Clinton. Oh, She's me, not going back. There. Me as drinking well. Vodka yeah. in honor of Hillary. Which oh is God also bless her. Yeah. yeah. I'll you know. toast Hillary Clinton. I will too. Come on. I 100 will. Honestly. We hope that you're listening up in yeah. Chapel. Yeah. Nice I hope you're having a nice day. Yeah. They, they were law school classmates with my parents, so there's at least the oh, slightest chance. Cool. I actually was at the center that night. I was at Javits Center the night that that oh, all I'm went so down. Thank you. It was um, uh, it was the opportunity to see my dad get the drunkest I've ever seen him in my life. So that was, wow. at least there was that, but it was startling. I mean, it was absolutely. You are very lucky to have parents who have the same political views as you. My family's conservative. So it's okay. So we are, I kind of, I do love all those pieces on like, if your grandfather says something racist over Thanksgiving, you just beat him to death with a chair. I'm, I'm not going to ruin Thanksgiving. Oh, it's not that easy. (laughs) I mean, I haven't been, I haven't been really home since the election oh wow. i'm so sorry no i mean Me it's too. okay we still you know it's it's like a process we're like we're dealing with it but politics yeah be- became very has become very personal on my family my in mother, a way that we're working on and yeah. hopefully and i love my family very much and hopefully trying to get to a better yeah. place with yeah my yeah. mother switched parties uh she's a registered democrat now and they moved to the states because they loved reagan so much so wow. it's uh it's a big shift for her she likes Beto. He's the only one she likes. So, uh, which is interesting to me that my mom and her other friends who were Republicans up until very recently yeah. have decided like this is the one man we like. He looks like a Kennedy and he speaks nicely. Yeah, but they don't. We and they don't like this. Warren or uh, no. 
Kamala Harris. So interesting. No, why? I wonder why. Why that? Why I wonder why that? Beto feels safe. Yeah, he's Beto a... looks like a hip young Bobby Kennedy figure. Yeah. That is someone they remember liking when they were really young, and they can get the appeal. Yeah, right. Yeah. He's a gateway drug into progressive yeah. politics. That's very easy to take the way that's probably with the punk music. I used to you know pimp out like Sum Forty One is an easy way to get to the Clash. It's kind of the same thing. And but but and Audrey she, McDonald is a gateway drug to opera. Oh, it's God so bless true. you for tying that together. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, that's what we call a callback. Yeah. Um, <laughs> All about those retcons here. We um, love that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's uh, okay. First of all, I. How are you not just talking about movies with your family over the holidays? Because that's all we do. I tried. It's great. We all enjoyed the films. Um. Well, it's interesting, too, though, about the Green Book thing, because I used to think the Oscars should be about what the best movie was. Right? Green Book is so, I mean, Roma is so obviously one of the best movies that has been made in a decade. Yeah. It's such a great movie. It's cinematically just everything. And I'm snobbily saying this as somebody who makes movies for a living. Right. But like, that is a, the best movie of the year. And yeah. smart people don't even argue about that. Like, people Ooh. love, I love The Favorite, and The Favorite's really fun. I love a lot of movies. I love Burning. I love Can You Ever Forgive Me. Oh, oh I love Can You Ever Forgive Me. It, so good. It was, like, such a small, I think it should have been nominated for Best Picture. Me too. And Muriel Keller, I think, should have been nominated Melissa for Best Picture. I thought Melissa McCarthy was, and uh, just Richard Grandin. And, <gasps> and that, it was so yeah. old New York, and it was mm-hmm. so... I just love everything about that movie. Yeah. Yeah. But Roma, obviously, like, yeah, Roma's the greatest, it's just an incredible feat of fucking filmmaking. Mm-hmm. Green Book shouldn't have even been the fucking conversation. Maybe it... for rehearsal or for supporting actors. Oh, sure. yeah, he should have won. Yeah, I he was mean... wonderful. But also, it's weird that a character that fascinating, like a black gay man who lived above Carnegie Hall and yeah. was a prodigy, This is your take on him? And your take on it is like, this man was white and he's going to introduce him to jazz? I'm pretty sure he knew about jazz. Yeah. I think he probably knew. Jazz yeah. was like the rock music of that time. People it knew about jazz. No matter not, how you, yeah. Like just living above Carnegie Hall, I'm sure some jazz musicians came through there. Yeah, he lived yeah. in fucking, he was a black person who lived in New York City. Yeah. Well, that's also like Don Shirley, I mean, Don Shirley's whole family family was like this movie is this bullshit is... this is nonsense and yeah. the guy who made dumb and dumber was like i don't care what the family says and he made dumb and dumber and then he won the oscar yeah uh, well there's my hot take no on no no, no, no. exactly Ex- it, it's like that should be a lukewarm take it's crazy that that is a hot take yeah it, 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 i know it does feel it feels like a problem that uh that is any kind of hot take and that we keep making a movie that presupposes that racism was solved 50 years ago when we've seen how people respond to say yeah. black political candidates. Well, right. It's like yeah. we're, we're scared of movies that give us a race narrative that isn't tidy at the end. Right. Like if Beale street didn't get a nomination, widows didn't get a nomination. Mm-hmm. I thought uh, widows was my I favorite. Loved, I loved oh, widows. Oh my God. I it, didn't see widows. It was, Oh, treat oh especially because it's a great Chicago movie too. Okay, cool. It's and such a, great, a Chicago movie. And a great heist movie and heist movies. Yes. Are my favorite. And right. Viola Davis is my favorite. Viola Davis is great. Yeah. End, yeah. But. And like, and like, I actually, I did dig Ocean's 8. It was popcorn, but like, <laughs> no, no, no. I kind of did. I, I did you know every performance. That they had a plan and it went perfectly and there were no problems. <laughs> and that's what happens yeah. when women plan things. Yeah. It, go, it, go, it goes perfectly. <laughs> 
Month? Getting back to Women's History Month. Getting back to Women's History Month. Ocean's Eight, a a paragon of Women's History Month. Only women organize things. They well, widow. Well, I'm not going to spoil widows for you, but it's also a heist run by women. Yeah, it's a little it's a little tougher than Ocean's Eight, which is which is what I was like. I wish widows had done the box office that Ocean's Eight did. I'm like I'm like all all power to give in the Ocean's brand, but like widows was a. Goddamn great heist movie. Steve McQueen is a challenging, arty filmmaker, and he does challenging, fucking arty shit in that movie that doesn't make it a popcorn movie. Exactly. uh, The reason I didn't go was it felt too hard to be a popcorn movie. And I just, if I I was going to watch a heist movie, I wanted to watch something kind of dumb. In actuality, though, when I was at that movie, I was like in one of those like crouches, like I'm gonna run, like I was, my heart was pounding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it has well, the thrills. Yeah. it's like Inside Man, the yes. Spike Lee, the Spike Lee movie it, it, about the oh, bank that's robbery. Great. That's yeah. so artful yeah. and yet so fulfilling at the mm-hmm. same time. And, and it completely like to tie it back to like the Women's Month idea. Like I thought they literally marginalized their ace in the hole in the marketing, which is Gillian Flynn wrote the damn screenplay. Really? She wrote the screenplay with, with Steve McQueen. With Steve McQueen, yeah. wow. but, but like okay. no one advertised Nobody that. Nobody knew it, that. Yeah. It, it yeah. Put in the trailer. It's from the writer of Sharp Objects oh, yeah, and I'll Gone go. Girl. Yeah. Everyone's gonna go. Yeah. Because yeah. it's like those are national bestsellers. I'm like and like market it like the first wives club. It's like you know women out there fucking robbing people. Yeah. And these women are getting together. They got a van. They're gonna rob some people. Yeah. Great. They're gonna hit a punching bag. They're going to plan stuff. They're going to call each other on a cell phone. Yeah. That's what's going to happen. And it, it blows my mind that in this day and age, we still don't think women are bankable in Hollywood. Like, uh, like Unless they were an ingenue, but like we are losing our shit for Captain Marvel right now, right? Like they're trying to bomb the review yep. score. Men are already this... so mad about Captain Marvel and it hasn't so even come out yet. Rotten Tomatoes is a rotten, what? sexist website. I, okay. I don't under... Okay. I've... <laughs> <laughs> Existing as a woman for 32 years, I've watched a lot of superhero movies come out, like Batman, Spider-Man, Superman, all the mans. And it has never occurred to me to bomb the website and be like, why do you think a man would be this competent? I don't like his face, and I don't want to have sex with him. Tear this movie apart. Right? And and you know what's insane? They get to not be competent, right? Like, Star-Lord gets his own movie, Chris Pratt, so he can basically bumble the fuck around and not be any good until Zoe Saldana shows up and is like, here's what you need to do. And then they kill, spoiler alert, kill Zoe Saldana. But but is she coming back? Is everybody coming back? What's going to happen? I'm sure there's a fucking resurrection jewel that's Uh in somebody's fucking pocket because because those movies have no consequences. They have no rules. Anything can happen. This is actually the point of my co-host essay. Their fans will tell you that they have a lot of rules. Sure. Yes. And and this is actually, this was my co-host point, was the illusion of change. Like it's a thing from the comics where basically everything goes back to status quo so there's no consequence. And the weird way to try and tie it, unfortunately, as someone who loves comics, to the idea of women being a part of it is like, if you are a man who has uh, less evolved values, let's say, probably straight and white, um, you're looking at those movies and going, it will all turn out okay in the end for me, no matter what, because these comics reinforce that like, I will get back to being the hero or the this, I go through this pattern and I'm still okay when it's all said and done. And when you give a woman that power, it's like getting that free pass that we as men have gotten for fucking ages. Can I ask a Women's History Month and Marvel question to you? I love that it's both. Does Annette Bening have powers in this movie? Oh, God, I hope so. I hope so, too. 
I think I mean, I, I, love I, her. I know she has powers in real life. Yeah. For sure. I'm just wondering if they're going to let her use them in the film. I, I mean, it is my understanding that she's the person that trains Brie Larson. Okay. Opening weekend. Yeah, I'm yeah, she's yeah. there. It, it yeah. was like when fucking Robin uh, Wright was in Wonder Woman. I was like, Ooh, yeah, that yeah. was wonderful. Yeah. Oh, that was casting. Oh, God, that was a... I saw that movie on opening weekend, and there were a bunch of girls in the theater, and uh, listening to them cheer in the theater and also hanging out in the bathroom afterwards. <laughs> oh, my God. And there were just... 13-year-old girls talking about how amazing it was that two men formed a platform for her so she could jump off it and do superhero stuff. Yeah. yeah. It was a nice moment. It was nice. I loved that movie. I yeah. loved it. I love that great. movie, too. Yeah. Any movie that renders cliche into, like, tear-jerking art, like, when she literally goes, I am no man, going up into the trench. I'm like, if I'd yeah. read that on a page, I would have been like, okay, writers, the most obvious thing. And yeah. then it happens in the theater. I'm like, I'm done. I yeah. need a box of fucking I'm dishes. I'm also there for any movie where the male supervillain has to take poppers in order to get a <laughs> <laughs> I just thought that was a really queer narrative. <laughs> That's so good. That is so good. I, I guess one thing that I did pose that I'm interested in is like, do we have any sense of how we're going to look back at this? <laughs> It's not gonna be good, man. No, baby, and like, and Jenna was thinking of you specifically because you've looked back at history so often in your books. And it's like, what the fuck is this going to get contextualized I think as? About the future a lot, and um, the period that I keep thinking about now is uh, in Rome, and no uh, you know the way that uh, religion took power in a tremendous amount of places, which mm. I guess you could say in recent history you could tie to Iran, which was one of the most progressive places in the Middle East yeah. for a long time, and then fell into a theocracy at a rapid freefall that I don't think anyone could have anticipated. Yeah. And I look at conservative forces tying themselves to religion and rising in this country, but also in places like um, you know, in South America with Bolsonaro and Yeah. Yeah. yeah um now I feel like the weird mom in uh in Angels in America just talking about how I worry that we are entering an age of populism mm, um, yeah. and we will start tying it to things like Brexit and the rise of Donald Trump. Yeah. And what will happen with that is cities and countries, yeah. city states will get more and more closed off and more and more inclined to regard everybody else as an invader or an enemy. And that will be very much a problem because climate change will affect us universally and the rise of plagues that will accompany climate change will affect yeah. us pretty much universally as we're already finding viruses and bacteria that are becoming uncovered as the permafrost melts. So, uh, and when we look back at the past century, one of the things that's been wonderful about that was the free exchange of ideas that yeah. uh, we were working with France to combat the AIDS epidemic. Um, Eisenhower said that the polio vaccine was America's gift to the world, that it wouldn't be patented anywhere, that everybody would have free access to it. We were just it. working globally to fight Ebola. Exactly. Right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, and Donald Trump did not want us to do that and cut a lot of the funds on helping people overseas yeah. with diseases like Ebola. So I think we can either get through this and yeah. go back to whatever is quote-unquote normal or we can fall into another dark ages and mm. um, with a rise of superstition, um, fear of science, 
uh, a weird religious fanaticism, um, a belief in witches. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's what's the name Hold of that? Now. Yeah. In Women's History Month, I want to continue to believe and cherish all the witches, witches? in my life. Pro witch. You're pro witch. Uh, pro-witch. Well, yeah, evangelicals are saying that uh, Casio Cortez is a witch now, aided by demons. Uh, it is a real belief that continues to exist. But I think there's also just a demonization of women in general that accompanies, sure. you know. I believe in the... good witches, and I I love witchcraft and anyone mm-hmm. who might practice yeah. it. But there are people who practice. Yeah, there are people who and, practice uh, witchcraft. Anything yeah. can be practiced for good and for evil. That's yeah. abundantly clear in mm-hmm. in anything. Yeah, I think the idea of women having power is still clearly very terrifying to a lot of people, right. as evidenced by the fact that we have never had a female president or vice president. Right. Yeah. Which and Nick, I hadn't thought of it until you said it, but like the idea that like. What if you took a stand and just genuinely said, I'm not going to vote for a male candidate? Like, hearing that theory, Jen, that you laid out, it's like, of course we would need a female counterbalance to this. Because it's the only thing that would actually shift the tide that extremely away from what we seem to be heading towards. Because it, it, it does feel that way a lot. It and does. And climate change is coming very, very fast. Oh, so fast. Yeah. And I think that's a huge part of this entire election. I mean, I, of course, will vote for this corkscrew over donald trump mm-hmm. so, but yes. um I, in the primary i am mainly listening to the female candidates except for tulsi gabbard except for tulsi gabbard we all agree on that like, i didn't want to talk shit Every, about any of I'll them i'll talk shit about tulsi, tulsi gabbard i mean it's, read yeah. that new yorker profile because <laughs> yeah. she was she's in a cult Yo, and that sells yeah. amway Look, and if she's in like a harry krishna amway cult and i can't yeah. and that's not even fake news y'all yeah, like read the new yorker really profile it sounds like fake news but it's not an apologist i don't get that no it's like that and the aj finn profile for like the two craziest profiles of the year and i'm giving it to the guy what was the aj finn profile oh my on Tulsi? Oh, no, 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 no. no, no. AJ, no. AJ Finn is... Sorry, you no, go no, ahead. No, 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 you go. No, no, no. No, you take okay, this. Okay. You take this. AJ a- a- Finn. AJ Finn is a mystery writer. That's his pseudonym. He did Women in the Window? Which yes. I thought was pretty fun. I've, okay. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. it. Yeah. I, I tore through it. I was like, yeah, bring on that movie. Amy Adams yeah. is going to oh, be I the film. Oh, I love Amy Adams. Yeah. Yeah. Amy perfect. Adams. Yeah. It's going to be a perfect role It's going to be a fun film. Is that, is that going to be her Oscar? It's another like an anti-hero where could be. the narrator is an alcoholic and she's really sad, she's but she also that. sees a yeah. murder. Yeah. Completely unreliable. I love that Amy Adams is like slowly carving her way through like the crime lit that's been elevated to popular status, yeah. but it's still not trashy. She's like, I'm going to do sharp objects, and I'm going to do women in the window. Yeah, she is going to abolish her enchanted status one way or another. She's going to play a Cheney. She's going to be an alcoholic who cuts her... Like, anything she can do to go away from Disney Princess, she's going to do it. And she can, because she's magic. There's a think piece to be done on the actresses that have played Disney early on and then gone fuck off. Like, you got Anne Hathaway, you oh, have yeah. Amy Adams... I'm trying and to be- by the way, I'm so happy that people are finally appreciating Anne Hathaway, something what? I've been doing since the beginning. The backlash against the backlash of Anne Hathaway yeah. <laughs> Oh, it's so true. And, and like, I'm so, I'm for it. Like, yeah. it, exactly. It's also like, I don't, it, it's, it's such a symptom of this culture that like someone could do one thing you don't like. And then all of a sudden you turn, you and your Forever. online friends yeah. turn this mob against them. Yeah. yeah. And it's but good for her for persevering. Oh, 100%. And, and I was thinking that like it, there's this thing that where you have to prove your own narrative has worth. Mm-hmm. Right. Especially as a woman, I think. But like I'm thinking the way she beautifully kept that narrative alive this season with the Oscars Instagram post. Did you see that? Mm-hmm. I mean... I didn't see that. 
she threw up a photo of her and Franco and was like, no matter what happens on Sunday, just remember it can always be worse. And that was beautiful tea. I she mean, loves to take the piss out of herself, which is great. Good for her. And yeah. Yeah. she seems really fun. It's how she reversed the backlash. Mm-hmm. Ariana Grande was taking so much shit for the Pete Davidson stuff. And then thank you next, which is. Yeah, that was uh, great. Yeah. Great song. It's like a beautiful mm-hmm. reclamation of her narrative. And I could talk about that album for too long. Okay, so but gonna, AJ yeah. Finn. But We're AJ Finn. Finn. AJ yeah. Finn, it turns out, has been lying through his teeth about Everything. Everything. Like, claimed that he had cancer. Probably did not have cancer. No, claimed his mother had <laughs> cancer. cancer. She probably did not have cancer. Yeah. Like, was Came a- back with a British accent, which feels like a very second year in college thing to do. That's a Lindsay but, Mohan, like, in 2005 I thing. know, yeah. Like, so I can, I can give him, he came back from some time abroad with a new accent. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. But it was every aspect of his life, right? And- Every aspect of his life, and everybody has known this. Yes, like everybody in the publishing industry was like, we all kind of realized he was lying, but it would have been weird to say so, right? Yeah. <laughs> we didn't was, want to bring it up. Everyone was waiting, and he's been like, you know how like when an author has a hit book, and suddenly they're on every book jacket? Yeah. That was A.J. Finn. He was everywhere. Pull quote on everything. Yeah. And then like, I was reading this article, I'm like, this is, he's, he basically modeled himself after Mr. Ripley yes! from Talented Mr. Yes! Ripley. He he, he's on record. Mr. Ripley. And yeah. he did his thesis on Oh my God, that's the, the most Mr. basic Ripley. thing I've ever <laughs> oh! heard. That's so oh! basic to do your thesis on the Talented Mr. Ripley. How, oh. Look, I love Patricia Highsmith. Oh, so I do too. But to do your thesis on that book, but also, and then to become a pathological liar because you think it's sexy. Like, have you guys ever been friends with a pathological liar? Yes. I have cut in recent years a pathological liar out of my life, but uh, I actually really love fabulous. I Do like you? people who make up their I like that you call fabulous. It's, cool. it's a beautiful name for it. I think it. it's cool I love and interesting. It. I'd probably be friends with AJ Finn. Really? He's so free, free They're from not the reliable. constraints of the rest of us. They're true, not reliable. <laughs> Uh-huh. It's true, but they are exciting. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna keep I'm gonna back up, but they are like exciting. If there's anybody who will steal a cop's gun, it's a fabulist. Uh, but they're also infuriating, and you can't make plans with a fabulist, and you you just have to keep. Uh, we I, I had this friend who was a okay. I'll I'll use your term fabulous. Okay, yeah. And another friend of ours, we had like a a come to Jesus moment with this person mm-hmm. where we had to be like, okay, first we're gonna need you to tell uh, to tell us the truth. Yeah. But before you do that, you're gonna have to stop lying. But before you stop lying, you're going to have to tell the truth. Before you tell the truth, <laughs> you're going to have to stop lying. And, we should, and literally, this person was incapable of doing that. Oh, my God. It's it's horrifying. It's kind of horrifying to me. I don't like, know. And there's, I, yeah. there's a story about Pat Buckley that I always enjoyed. That um, her son, Christopher yeah. Buckley, would bring home girls yeah. that he was dating in high school. And periodically, they would have a political opinion. And um, they would say something like, I don't like the Queen of England. I don't think the monarchy's good. And Pat Buckley would just be like, Queen Elizabeth is my best friend. She's on my speed dial. I talk to her every day. (laughs) 
And um, I can't deny that a part of that, if I ever have a son, wants to do that to everyone he oh, brings absolutely. up. Oh, yeah. absolutely. I mean, to win an argument to a stranger, I'm fine with it. Yeah. Oh, 100%. To your nearest and dearest, I have it's a problem. It's a different, different yeah. situation. Yeah. I love people who make shit up to win an argument Oh, to God, a me too. Oh, for sure. Yeah. For sure. I, I had the unfortunate task today of being assigned or just having to use the arc trainer in front of Fox News. Mm-hmm. So what? Like, whatever. I don't really like have to look at it. I just am going to look out the window at the gym or whatever. I was on Fox News once. Oh, which shit. Fox and Friends. Holy shit. Juicy. Wait, you were one of the three friends you did the whole show? I had, um, when I was writing about sex and dating, I uh, was in the New York Post, which I guess is one that. Right. Is owned by that. Fox team stays abreast on. Uh, So they asked me to talk about whether or not a doll was haunted. And I said yes. Well, I mean, oh I God. love everything about that. The answer was yes, of course. Obviously, yeah. all dolls are why haunted. Why would we be here if it wasn't haunted? Uh, and what's amazing is Trump probably saw that and thinks dolls are haunted now. He, he's like, "Have you seen that documentary, Annabelle?" It's a true story. We don't have any dolls in this White House. <laughs> no dolls. And on that note, mm-hmm. we're approaching the end of the podcast time, so I'm going to reveal what the rules were. Oh, fuck, we didn't even guess. We didn't, I didn't even guess. implement my own but, rules. But you know what's crazy? A lot of mine didn't come up. They, they, came up they, they came up during the cold open, which the rules never apply to, because then the show would make no sense. So it was, I was trying to go off the Cohen trial, so I was like, past sins remembered. Anytime you or I talked about someone from, like, Glencoe, we would have to take a drink. The two oh, of us. Either one of us. We didn't do that very much. We didn't do that. Okay. Anytime you or I talked about someone from Juilliard, Nick, we would have to drink. We didn't do that at all. We didn't do that at all. That didn't happen. Anytime. Jessica Chastain. Go. Oh, shit. We got a drink. <laughs> oh, there it is. Jesse. So anytime, uh, I, I know for a fact that Jen and I can be very hyperbolic in our speech. Mm. So I was like, anytime we told a long hyperbolic story that was more than two minutes, we would have to drink. That only happened once. Okay. You did that once and that was it. Good. All right. Um, and then there were Women's Month rules. Anytime you mentioned uh, women from the annals of history that Nick or I didn't know, which would have, could have been confirmed. That at the beginning, though. At the very beginning. In a way that I was ready to ride for for the whole podcast. Okay. As, as was I. Good. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. I'm, I told you I'm buying that book. It's oh. what my sis- if my sister listened to this podcast, it's what you're getting for Christmas, Molly. Oh, Watch out. Um, I've got to say, the one about diseases did a lot better. So, uh, so it's I appreciate a great book. sales Get well soon. for yeah for it and it badly, got, too. Got that from my primary partner's mom, oh, TBH. So that bad. was her Christmas um, Buy these books. Yeah. Okay. Any time, Nick, that you mention a woman that you've podcasted about on For the Girls, so that's why the Bette Midler thing okay. triggered. And Audra McDonald, you made me drink Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Yes. And then anytime we name-checked the awesome women trying to reshape the Democratic Party, now I thought it was the young guns and not the old guns. So I decided in my mind it was like okay. Talib yeah. or AOC. We mentioned AOC and Tulsi Gabbard like 17 times. Yes. We drank for AOC. Okay. I don't think Gabbard counts. And I, did, I didn't include Gabbard. Gillibrand in that. Oh, I, Gabbard I like, is the new Bernie. Everyone drink because uh, we talked uh, about Tulsi yeah. Gabbard. I, just uh, don't, I don't want to give gonna be, credit, though. It's going to be really why. long and annoying, and we're going to have to deal with it for a long That's time. That's why I was like... Uh, did, did nobody see Evita? Because I've learned that if somebody who's only succeeded
undefeated in getting seven bills passed that they were the primary sponsor on is texting emails beginning brothers and sisters from a $3 million house while taking oh private jets every place. You shouldn't take them that seriously because they won't do a good oh job Oh my God, you. you're so right. Can I just get, I'm just going to, before this podcast is over, I'm yeah. going to get into it. Oh, Great. I'll talk do about it, that. Do where, it. Where are the tax returns, Where are the tax returns, Bernie? Where are the, where tax, are the tax returns? returns? And I know it's Women's History Month and I'm not going to blame women for things, but you always told me that Jane couldn't find them, that Jane was going, Jane Sanders was oh, going Jane, through some. Oh, Jane, the proudest honor of her life is being a wife and mother. And who also ran that university into the ground. Yep. And yep. was charged with, well, investigated by the FBI for embezzlement. Yeah. I wonder why they can't find those tax returns. Oh, that's he's so like, weird. He's not going to show the, he, see, this is the bad part of yeah. trumping, yeah. which we were talking about earlier. Yes. Bernie is trumping with those tax returns, and okay. he's going to trump with those tax yeah. returns all the way to the bank. Yeah. And I already had a friend of mine today who was a fierce anti-Bernie person be like, we have to stop talking bad about Bernie because he might be the nominee. And we just... I know, I know. And I, feel I just the went. Same way, but oh, um, but... I'm sorry. He, he, look, it, it kills me that a man who was dismissing women's rights as a distraction was simultaneously ignoring campaign harassment from his own campaign staffers. Yes, correct. Yeah, that, uh, and then people being like, well, he's handling it now. No, I read the article about how he's supposedly handling it, and the only quote we've got from any of those women is, wow, that was exhausting. Yeah. That doesn't sound awesome. No, it sounds no. awful. Yeah. Um, and that's not even taking into account the fact that he was writing weird pieces about how women want to be raped which by the way just imagine donald trump reading that piece aloud yeah in any auditorium suddenly you can't take him down for the grab him by the pussy stuff and he will yeah yeah of course he will i mean my biggest thing with this race that i which i felt like the last race was about was about someone who offers this kind of insane fantasy world same thing yes versus Oh, things we can actually do. And I was thinking about it when Amy Klobuchar did that scene in town hall the other night. Yeah. I was like, do you want free college for everybody? And she eventually was like, no. Theoretically, of course. Yes. Sure. Do yes. I want everyone to have three square meals a day and a fucking iPad and yes. like everything to yeah. eat and like a gorgeous, great carpet and great clothing? Yeah. Yes. All of yeah. that. But it's not going to happen. So we're talking about people who just promise a bunch of bullshit versus practical yeah. solutions. Thing, but on the opposite side, oh my God, thank God there's somebody else who seems to understand this. Okay. Yes. But that's the thing. It's it like, drives me insane. Incremental like, progress don't. is progress, and it's the He's, only kind of progress like that actually happens. It's like looking at Kamala Harris, and you're like, oh, she was a DA, so she sent people to jail. Yeah, yeah. sure, but yes. she was also a progressive DA, DA who was doing a lot of stuff about recidivism, and yes. she was incredible. And look, if you also look at the bills that these people get passed, everybody else is cranking them out like two a year since 1991. Bernie's got seven. I don't That's want someone. That's because he's an idiot. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's also so because we do this in politics, and we don't do it in anything else. You know what we like agree on on both sides of the aisle? I'm having another beer. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> you know what we agree on both sides of the fucking aisle? Billy McFarland is a goddamn idiot and con man. Everybody watched those Fire Festival documentaries and was yes. like, that man's out of his mind. Because it was all whole promises he couldn't back up. Yes. When we get into the realm of politics, we're like, oh man, he's going to give us this. But it's no. energizing people. It's energizing yeah. to get them So there. was having Migos and Blink-182 on Pablo Escobar's island. But like, it was a sham. Yeah. It was energizing. Oh, oh no. It was a total sham. Though, <laughs> oh, no. I will also say, though, 
On the other side of that, yeah. I will say that I like the energizing element of the Green New Deal. Yeah. And I oh, like, I love it. Yeah. And I like that AOC isn't trying to burn people down when she, she didn't try to burn Nancy Pelosi she was down really when nice she said about Green Nancy Dream. Yeah. Yep. She hasn't tried to burn Dianne Feinstein. She's not trying to burn allies down. No. And that's the yes. thing I dig about AOC. And I'm all for aspirational, big fucking leftist goals. Yes. I think that that's great. But we have to figure out the incremental steps that we can take yeah. to get Yeah, and the there. higher, the more federal it gets, the more I want my candidate to be a pragmatist. Yeah. And yeah. the more local it gets, the more I want my candidate to be a big dreamer and an idealist. Absolutely. I mean, I think in New York, like, the wonderful thing about AOC is she can be a bulldog for the Democratic Party. Yes. She's yeah. in a seat that's never going to get touched. Yes. No. no Republican is going to sweep in and take that no, from her. Exactly. Yeah. No, and, but And hopefully no other Joe Crowley will take that back from her either. Right. Mm-hmm. It, it, everything comes back to Michael sure for me so I'll, I'll attempt to tie it through this and then please plug whatever you guys have going on if i haven't mentioned it already but like there's a reason that parks and rec is so funny and so true when it has chris trager and ben wyatt as a team because chris Wyatt can give you all that big inspirational stuff and then ben wyatt has to come in and be like yeah we got to cut this and do yeah. this like yeah. that's politics you should have them both that's why even in the fictional world of pawnee you get a chris trager and you get a ben wyatt and we really want a candidate that can do both that's the dream like they they can have the aspirational stuff but also go like and here are the steps we're gonna have to take to get there i can talk about it but i can put it in action and on that note guys please plug anything that you want to let the people know about to follow you on on social media or books to buy or anything um please don't follow me on social media (laughs) (laughs) um I, I already spend so much time trying not to pay attention to any mentions on that and just use it That's as a one way joke forum. But it's Jen Ashley Wright, if you must. <laughs> 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 and uh, yeah, um, We Came First is coming out in September. Uh, it used Amazing. to be a joke where I wrote a sex and dating column, and people asked me if I ever wanted to do a book about sex and dating advice. And I said, the only way I'll ever do that book is if all of the advice is from historical women. Amazing. And most of it is like, just murder your mother-in-law. And uh, <laughs> a British publishing company showed up and said, we love that idea. Let's do it. That's, That's amazing. fucking so, awesome. Happening this September. That's amazing. I'm buying it for so many people for Christmas. Um, <laughs> Uh, I yeah I uh, for the girls is a podcast yeah. uh, on all the things on the internet and it's just queer people standing about legendary women. We cover people like Bernadette Peters and Whitney Houston and Bette Midler and um, Audrey McDonald and Tori Amos and Bjork and the Spice Girls mm. and we have different fans on to talk about. We don't so much cover the entire scope of the person's career because that would be too much for one podcast episode, but we cover the fans' history of their love with this woman and why this woman has helped them, especially queer people, navigate through their lives. And it's amazing how fandoms can actually, like, lift each other up and we're just diva positive all the time. Fucking awesome. Yeah. Please go listen to that. And please, if you like this, rate, review, and subscribe. Give us five stars and listen next week when friend of the podcast Ben Rappaport is going to be on talking about spring television because he's got a spring TV show out. We're going to talk about for the people. For the people. We're going to talk about that and more. Thank you guys so much for riding the rails with us. See you next time. Take care, guys.
people of the multiverse, I'm Rachel Shank. I'm Scott Thomas. And I'm Patrick Willems. And we want to tell you about our brand new podcast, The Infinity Podcast. What is The Infinity Podcast? We're not sure. It's definitely about the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and it might tackle what actor should play Cap next, or what is up with Jeremy Renner's Instagram. Ooh, Anthony Mackie and very little. It absolutely takes us down the road from Infinity War into Infinity with an infinite number of detours along the way. So it's not your typical Marvel podcast. And it's available wherever you get your podcasts. So please subscribe, review, or even just check us out. Destiny, like this podcast, arrives all the same.